How are you? Hello, dear Weave, and welcome to the Irish Songwriters Podcast. No theme music today. I know. I'm just getting sick of listening to it, to be honest. And this one is a bit different anyway. I know I've been away for ages. I know. I know. I, I you know, a few people have sent me messages, but um, I've been a little bit busy in work. I'll talk about it all more um, and when I do get the next episode of, of the Irish Songwriters Podcast ready. But... Some, a few things have happened, and one mad thing happened, and that's what today's episode is about. I've called it Story Time, because uh, it's a bit of a story. It's the story about a song you may or may not be aware of, a man called Robbie Williams. And you may or may not be aware of his song, Angels. And you may or may not be aware of kind of a myth or a legend um, about an Irish songwriter who was involved in its conception. And you may or may not be aware that that soldier was me. Um, and recently, Robbie Williams gave an interview. Not that recently. I get tagged on a lot of stuff um, by Robbie Williams when he plays Angels at a big concert. I get tagged on it. People go, hey, check out, they're singing your song. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I got tagged on a recent interview that he did on the True Geordie podcast. Um, now, what is that, you may ask? I don't know if you're aware of it. It's kind of a big thing. They have a big YouTube ch- YouTube channel and they have um, a few different um, media of communication. And they um, did a big interview with Robbie Williams. And during that interview, he spoke about me. Um, in a way that he hadn't previously done. You know, I was mentioned in a, a biography, I think, in not very glowing terms. Um, but we let it slide, don't we? And I wasn't. I have been involved in some newspaper articles, some sensational stuff that had little to do with me, but um, were equally as unglowing in terms. But anyway... Um, he hadn't spoken about it to this detail, so I took it upon myself to correct. Not he, he spoke very honestly and very eloquently about the process, but I took it upon myself to maybe include the details that he had omitted from his uh, recount of the tale. So this is story time, and because this is this is like a myth that goes around. I, in fact, Bono. I uh, used to tell this story because I, like, I, I was with Bono and he told me about this story that mm. you nicked this song from this busker. And um, I'm like, that didn't happen. Of course it didn't. I've never been busking in my life. Um, <laughs> um, no, but this is the story. So let's start, okay? I want to take you back to Paris, okay? Summer 96 in Paris. A young man, a young Irish songwriter, and around La Gare du Nord, the Northern Railway Station, La Tour Eiffel, you know? Um, and that's where our story begins with this song. This song is the song that I wrote before I met Robbie Williams, and it's called Leaving Marianne. The hidden complication in every move she makes. Before Mariana wakes and kiss her 
I could write lyrics because I'd done a bit in the past so I sat down I was like right I sit and wait does an angel contemplate my fate do they know the places where we go when we're grey and old and you know it took me an hour to write a couple of verses for me the story starts um, in summer 96 I'll tell you the exact date it, it was June 21st 1996 and I remember this because in France that's La Fête de la Musique, the Feast of Music, and there's there's music in the streets um, all over Paris. And I was planning to go out that night, but I couldn't because my, preg- my pregnant girlfriend had had a miscarriage. So I had to take her to the hospital and be with her in the hospital. So that's how I remember that date. Um, and after a conversation with my mother on the phone to tell her about this, this bad news, I am... Um, it's the first rec- recollection I have of of starting to write a song about an angel or, you know, that kind of themed song, you know, uh, based on the conversation with my mother about how I won't have a baby to love, but I love an angel instead. Um, what was my thinking? I, it's my first recollection of even thinking about that in a musical context. In this period in time, I go out to Ireland and I go on the piss and I get very friendly with somebody very, very quickly. There's a whole extravaganza that goes on with this story. I might save it for the film one day. It was a crazy time, um, certainly for me, because like earlier that year I had essentially left a, a religious order, you know, or a, a Christian community. I was working in um, 
in care as a as a care worker and musical therapy um in a christian community with adults with learning difficulties and i was starting to get into get interested in music therapy and the priesthood i was i was considering becoming a priest and i was studying theology and sociology and anthrop- anthropology within this within this community and so i had i and then i fell in love with this girl this parisian girl a beautiful girl and so i left that that community and went to paris and then this baby situation happened and then i was drinking and going out having left this kind of cloistered existence and i was out on the town and then i lost my job i went back to ireland but i was still you know out on the town and one Saturday afternoon, I'm in a pub and I meet this guy and he's into music. And are you having a pint? I'm having a pint. Then let's have a pint. And the night goes on and on. And we get we kind of, you know, uh, stuck to each other for the evening. And um, I'm back at his house and he's playing me this song that he's written. And it's called Honey Boy, Don't Do It. It's about this girl that commits suicide. Yeah, uh, a friend of mine in France, a young man actually called Israel or Izzy he liked to be called um he was from Luton but he um he was working we were working together in musical therapy in this large community for a while and um he was a very gifted musician he could play pick up any instrument and uh, get a tune out of it and um he I don't know exactly what happened I don't know the full details but I heard he developed a psychosis and would would play the same chord patterns with the guitar and and he was a, a talented flautist and and would repeat the same melodies um at night even and people people started to get uh, worried about him until eventually he took his own life and um, it was a very shocking situation and I know it's it's cliched um to and maybe worth a snigger that um, a songwriter, you know, um, a young songwriter would write a song about suicide, but it's a true story, a real life experience. So I shared this song, and I'm like, "Well, you, you, you write songs. We should write a song together. I've, I've got this idea for this song, and I hire a studio in Temple Bar in Dublin, and we go into the studio, and we're such a mess because we're so mullered. And we were like." You know, okay, let's go to the studio, you know, we'll make a demo, we'll do an album, you know, we write these songs and, um, you know, we, it's going to be great and make a million dollars and we take over the world and, you know, um, but then we had to write the songs, you know, so we sat up all night trying to write songs and throwing ideas at each other. He had some poetry, you know, um, I remember he had one really cool thing on Big Me, Big, I can't remember what it was, but he was talking about how small he felt in kind of big stadiums when he was with Take That, and he was like, convinced himself that he was big. I can't remember anyway, but he had poetry. And um, I showed him an idea or two, and we started to write on a song called Bagpuss Complex. And then we started to write on this song, we started to work on this song, um that I had performed a song in Paris um, about the angel instead situation, the miscarriage situation, how I love an angel instead. Um, but I couldn't play that song to you now. I can't remember. I've no memory of how that goes. Um, I know it was in D because I was using D a lot. But and I think it could have been a three, four or a six, eight 
song. I can't remember. I really can't remember. But that night we sat up working on this song that every verse finished with the the, um, the resolution in I Love an Angel Instead. Um, and that song is essentially the song that would go on to become Angels. So we're in the studio. We can't quite get it together because I don't really know what I'm doing. We're drunk and it doesn't happen. But I've got this um, sort of song idea that I've got. And Angels used to go in its first incarnation. It was, uh, and as a vinegar, I was, uh, 
I'm loving angels and angels and angels, whoa, angels instead. And that was the chorus. Wow. Bit of a crap chorus. Anyway, so we're in the studio and we put something down and uh, I realise it's not working. So we beat a hasty retreat and went to the pub. And I think it's worth mentioning uh, the role that um, alcohol abuse and drug use, um, the role that they play in uh, the following um, few months and weeks and days in our story. Um, because, like I said, I had been working in a bar for um, for six months, and it was a quiet bar as well, so I was its best customer. Um, and I uh, was back in Dublin, and we were drinking to the extremes of that, you know? In this time period while I'm in Ireland, one day I drank 23 pints of Guinness. I got up very early mm-hmm. and went all the way through the day. And after 23 pints of Guinness, I don't know if you've ever drank yourself sober. And with all the accompanying powder and pills that went with the process, you know, like he was famous, you know, we were being escorted into the library in Lilies, you know, like people were handing us powder and handing us pills. I, I, I don't remember paying for any of the drink, you know, and I bought it. I dived into it. I loved it, you know, in my own hometown, being escorted around backstage at gigs. Um, I don't know. I bought it, you know, and it was a crazy time and it got really intense. And um, a few things went on with me and this guy while I was there and I left Ireland. And um, we spoke on the phone a couple of times after that. And the plan, as much of a plan... As there was, um, the plan was that I was to go back to Paris or I had to go back to Paris and sort out my, my flat, get my flat rented and get me stuff. And we were then to meet in London um, at some stage in January. Um, so that's what happened. And I went back to Paris and I got my stuff sorted. And I, um, yeah, we spoke even when I was in Paris as well. And... I um I came across to London um and I, I he gave me a number to ring and I rang it but he had gone to Stoke because apparently he was on a bit of a bender and um so I was in London and I crashed on a friend's couch for a couple of nights and then I decided to uh, to hitchhike to Stoke my mum is in such a bad mood with me because I went to Ireland with her and then she never saw me because I was always in the pub and I was always with this guy. Mm. <clears throat> so she's furious because I'm, I'm in the middle of a... I'm worried about me because I'm in the middle of a heavy drinking problem. And uh, we are in Stoke-on-Trent one evening back at my mum's house and I um, need to go somewhere. My mum's driving me and I see this guy from Ireland He's in Stoke and he's looking through the window of somebody's house and he's on his way to my house. And I said, Mom, that's that's the guy and we should go back to the house because he'll be at the house any minute now. And he, she said, well, he's not staying here because she was furious. He was the man that was sort of leading me astray, but I was, you know, we were leading each other astray. 
and there was a knock at the door and I opens it and I, I want to greet him and bring him in and at least give him the bed for the night but <coughs> I'm also in trouble with my mum so I said Raymond what what are you doing I thought you'd be pleased to see me and that was the first time that that I really realized kind of okay the mood has changed here you know what I mean um like I had felt it in Dublin a bit um that you know yeah there was a kind of a drop off in like we spent we really spent a long time talking and uh we walked across back and forth across Dublin from from Glasnevin where I lived to Donnybrook where he um where he was staying and we were talking all this time so it was really kind of I don't know it was like a bond um I don't know it was weird you know but then something a few things I don't know were said or whatever and so and you know and the mood changed slightly but I kind of denied myself thinking that because I needed this as I mentioned this was kind of like okay this is what I'm supposed to be doing now you know so like it was a spiritual thing and um so that was the first time that I really felt this disconnect with reality, you know, that was later to be to deepen and, and worsen, you know, but it was the first time, oh, hang on, this spiritual journey that I think I'm on, um, they think I'm, you know, they think I'm mad, you know, so oh, that, like we were kind of really felt that disconnect. Mate, you can't stay here. It's just weird that you're turning up out of the blue. And I gave him a couple of hundred quid and said, I think it was a couple of hundred quid, and uh, go get yourself a bed and breakfast and go back to Ireland. So he was downhearted and off he left. You know, I was unwelcome. I was clearly unwelcome. Um, I didn't think I would be, but I was. So I left, never to be seen again. Like his mag gave me 40 quid um, for a local B&B. And um, never to be heard from again. You know what I mean? I just realized, okay, well, that's that's that. You know what I mean? And uh, headed headed home the next day. I hitched to Hollyhead, and my family bought me a ticket home. And I arrived back in Dublin. You know, but like when I get back, my family is really excited. You know what I mean? Because this whole thing had gone on, and he had given an interview to some journalist in Ireland, saying that he was writing songs with an Irish songwriter, you know? So um, I was in the paper, you know? And he had mentioned, actually, that we had written a song together called Angels Instead. You know, it's the first time I remember reading the title of the song was from his interview, you know? So there was still this kind of, okay, well, what's going on? You know what I mean? This disconnect that I'm feeling from reality anyway, but is this true now? Or what, 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 what am I doing here, you know? And my sister had a poem that she'd written and one of the lines was, and as the feeling grows, she breathes flesh to my bones. And I'm like, right, I'm nicking that. So if anybody co-wrote the song, it was uh, my sister. And as far as the song goes, like, I had no further input after that point. We had no further contact after that point. I just, I honestly figured it was, okay, that's by the wayside now. You know what I mean? That was cool, but, you know, okay. I, I got a job, you know? Um I got a job and now in the meantime, my kind of drinking and, and socializing was still out of control. I was living back with my my family, basically going out to supposedly to go to work on a Friday and turning back up on a, a Monday morning after the early house, you know, um, it was it was a, it was a weird time. And with all of the 
the amphetamines and the and the drinking that goes with that you know i was um i wasn't well you know so that's why it's kind of difficult to look back into that you know i feel better about it now but um uh, for many years it was difficult for me to look back at that me do you get me um but as far as the song went that was that was as far as my input went you know i then go to i meet guy chambers who's my songwriting partner and the first day I said, well, I've got this idea for this song and I sing him the song and it's angels. And then he hits a chord and I go and through it all, she offers me protection and it sort of writes itself. And we've got now the fully formed version of angels. And I knew we got something really special. And at this stage, I had gotten to the stage where um, I had kind of lost the run of myself. You know, I was going around Dublin uh, to singer-songwriter nights and open mic nights, playing the song, um, and kind of deepening that that um, disconnect from reality. You know, I was um, uh, like the the experience of the last ten to twelve months were kind of pretty intense. Like leaving the 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 Christian community, then the situation in Paris, and then uh, the song. Over the Christmas and stuff, so I was really kind of disconnected from it, and um, so I was working during the day and then trying to uh, be this songwriter, famous songwriter at night, and um, um, it wore me thin, you know, and I wasn't well, so I was making steps towards going to uh, the Rutland Centre um, to rehab and try and get myself help, and my uncle who had been through a similar process. Um, uh, happened to mention to me whatever happened with that uh, Robbie Williams song are you doing anything about that is he doing anything and I said I don't know I, I, I hadn't heard anything I wasn't in contact anymore and uh, he said it wouldn't hurt to send a letter to see if they are using the song you know so uh, the album gets released and then I get a letter from a lawyer in Ireland and uh, my client Mr Raymond Heffron has uh, not only wrote Old Before I Die, I think he said, and he's also written wow. uh, uh, oh, uh, Angels, but he's also written Old Before I Die. And then the next thing I know is um, he releases Old Before I Die. Um, and there was some confusion because I, I my, my inquiry was about Robbie Williams' new song. So some lawyer said uh, Robbie Williams' new song, and that was Old Before I Die. I don't remember. But um, um, my claim was that I was involved. I had a co-write with with Robbie Williams, um, and an Angel instead, Angels instead. I didn't know the title, you know. So um, that was uh, there was some confusion about that. But um, you know, my claim was neither really. She's taking the places I should never have been. Showing the faces I should never have seen Well, these are strange days We're living in today Say la vie, I say
anyway, so uh, I wrote All Before I Die in Miami um, with, uh, yeah, with, a, with a Latino guy. can't remember his name. Um, and I was like, no, not that one. Um, some song about angels or uh, an angel instead. Um, you know, he had given the title Angels Instead. So um, something about that. And his management said, yeah, there's a song on the album called Angels. Um, but Robbie says that it has radically changed since um, yeah, the recorded version you have in Dublin. You know, and I said, Grant, um, can I hear it? You know, uh, if it's called Angels and the demo we done is called Angels Instead, there might be something similar in it. I don't know. You know, am I, am I reaching here? Um, it was all down to, it's he said, she said, or he said, he said. Now, we could have gone to court and it would have all been down to whether, what, what, what way the judge wakes up that day out mm-hmm. of bed and goes, I believe this guy and he's going to get the publishing. You know, so we were then left with like a settling out of court sort of thing because we couldn't have that happen. Yeah. You know, because who who believes who? Um, so I gave him some money and he went away. £7,500 sterling were offered to me um, for my creative input into the song. And that money went a long way to paying for the residential care that I was currently receiving in the Rutland Centre Rehabilitation Clinic in Dublin. Um, you know, and, you know, everybody's an expert. You know, a lot, a lot, so many people have said to me over the years, you know what I mean? Oh, wow, for that song, you know what I mean? You took so, so little money, but give it a try. Give it a try in that situation. Um, for a song you wrote, somebody offering you a 23-year-old man um, £7,500 sterling. Give it a try. I don't know. Um, and then the first time I heard the song um, was when I went into town and bought the album and um, listened to the song. And I was like, um, when I heard the opening line, like, oh, you know. Uh, but in subsequent documentaries about me, he plays this tape that he's got with me singing. It never gets the chorus because there's no chorus. But he also said that um, what happened was his, him and his missus uh, were, she was pregnant and then she lost the baby. Right. And uh, when it's stillborn... Uh, there's a term for it in Ireland. You lose an angel. And it was only years later, years later that I realised, um, like to me, in the in the following years, um, occasionally I'd be contacted by um, some sort of Robbie Williams documentary and I'd get a few quid for telling the story about a song I wrote and a fella I met, you know, so it was easy. And I did it for a long time. It also fed my ego. Let's be right. It fed my ego for a long time and kind of attracted attention to to my newer songs, you know. So, you know. Um, But then I realized that to this girl in Paris who was being asked the same questions every six months and being hassled by press about it, she had to tell the story about her miscarriage. And I really feel bad about that. 
you know? She had nothing to do with anything. She never got, you know? So that was a fucking, that, that makes me feel bad about the whole thing. And he sits down and he said, and so I, I wrote the lyrics to Angels Underneath This Statue in yeah. France. And I'm like, well, who's not going to believe that? I lived on Avenue Ray in Paris. Not Avenue Ray, Avenue R-E-I-L-L-E, Ray, in Paris in the 14th arrondissement. Um, and to get home every day, I had to walk through Parc Montsouris. It's a beautiful part of Paris, a beautiful walk. And on the corner of Parc Montsouris and Avenue Ray, there's a tall statue um, of St. Michael the Archangel. And because I, I had recently left this Christian community and was still battling with those demons, <laughs> um, I thought, of course, I saw a sign in the fact that I live so close to a statue of St. Michael the Archangel who was the protector of heaven, who had fought evil and banished Lucifer, you know? Um, so I certainly saw a sign in that. On the Wikipedia page, it says, like, co-written by Raymond Heffron. And if you ever remove his name, somebody puts it back up straight away. So there's this myth going around that uh, angels... Does that not piss you off? Yeah, it pisses me off. I tend not to talk about it. I tend not to talk about it because I'm really uncomfortable in the situation. When it does come up, like ask anyone who's been in my company when the subject has come up, I run to the other side of the room. I, uh, I, I'm not comfortable talking about it. I don't like to. Um, because for me, it generates a feeling where, you know, people are listening to my new songs going or listening for Angels by Robbie Williams. When that has very little to do with me, that whole sound, you know what I mean? Look at the career he's had afterwards, though. He's gone yeah. on to hit, hit after hit after hit. No, so but here's the believe thing. Believe him, then. Here's he, the thing, and I'm like, I was telling this story to somebody in the past, and I was like, and he's a songwriter now, and yeah. he writes songs, and they're not going to be very good, and I press play, and it's like, that's it. Oh, it's actually a nice song. That's a good song. Yeah. <laughs> is he actually a good songwriter? Yeah, he's a good songwriter. Is he? Yeah, he is. He's talented. It's only on some nights she catches the right light and hangs in the air. The ones and the zeros, the all action heroes, don't notice her there. But a wise owl said, more pretty than you The universe is shaped like a spoon The spaceships are coming home soon When we go off whistle We go Over wine, over water, 
then of course when I do release new music and I do an interview or whatever, like the journalist is going to do uh, an archive search or a Google search and find Ray Heffernan and Robbie Williams. And then the, the article becomes Angels Rider releases new album. But I don't write the headlines. I don't edit the stories. I don't edit the documentaries. You know? But it's unjust and it's unfair and it's my biggest mm. song. And, you know, I'm, I'm also became the corporate entity that is Robbie Williams. Mm. And, of course, this person rode roughshod over somebody's career and stole this song. And that was never my claim. Like, first and foremost, that was never my claim. You know, that whole um, Robbie Williams stole my song headline, I didn't write that. You know, I don't edit these TV programs. I'm not the one who sensationalizes it. You know, my my claim, my claim, what happened was, as a young man, I met Robbie Williams and we co-wrote a song together that then became his hit song, Angels. That's just undeniable. You know, why would I, why would I make it up? Like, what, what does it benefit me to make it up? Like, my, my day job is I write songs, I teach languages by writing songs with primary school children. Those songs are then sold to the parents to generate a donation for children's charities. That's my day job, okay? I've worked in the Italian judicial system, um, inviting prisoners to write songs, you know, accompanying them to, or facilitating their creative writing, if you will. You know, to maybe express some of the emotion that they may be feeling. I'm also the creator of the Irish Songwriters Podcast because I'm genuinely fascinated in songwriting. I've no interest in in um, likes or hits, you know, or YouTube clicks. I, I, I just wanted to get, I was like, oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can sing melodies and I can write lyrics. Okay, I just wanted to get better and better and better. And I was never happy with what I'd just done. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that there was, I was working towards the, what's it called, the opus? Yeah. yeah. The, 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 with the, 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 the main body of work that would become your opus. What's the word yeah. for it? The opus deus or something. The manium opus of the situation would be, I don't know, to resolve the story. To end, to give it to, it just feels unfinished to me. It feels unfinished. Every now and then, something kind of opens it up. For me, at least. For me, at least. Um, it opens it up, and kind of I have to relive the emotion of it. Um, so the opus magnum for me will be to write another song. And I'll tell you why. I was raised to, to believe or to think that, um, you know, you, you, you accept a deal. You spit and you shake on a deal. And that's the deal. And you accept it. At one stage, you agreed to those terms. So you don't go, go complaining afterwards. Oh, my expectations were different. No. You know, you know the deal. You, sign, you, you shake on the deal. And, it, and that's the deal. And uh, although I admit, I, w- I have looked, I've had, had many conversations with lawyers over the years. But it, all, it always went against me. And I never really followed it up because that's the deal, you know. And the same goes for you, Robert. You know, you paid me for my my creative input into that song. That's just what happened. 
So you don't get the moral high grounds. You know, you don't get all of the career, all of the money and all of the international acclaim and then claim to be a victim of some sort of cyberbullying. You don't get that, Robert. Do you want to renege on that deal that we made? I don't think you do. I don't think you want to renege on that deal that at one stage I accepted. But here's my proposal. Let's do it again. Let's write another song. And let's see if people will recognise the heart in it. Because that's what I've come to learn. Through songwriting or in songwriting, what comes from the heart goes to the heart. So it's too risky for you, I think. Because the listener will recognise the heart. And most often, the listener recognises the broken heart in a song. And that's what they respond to. I feel. So that's my proposal. And don't talk to me, oh, you want the money. I don't want the money. We can give every, every cent of it to children's charities. But it'll be the best song you ever wrote. And until then, you know where I am. Come and see me. Let's write a song. Until then, the story is unresolved and is to be continued. It's all your fault.